just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schneck. You know, I'm looking forward to today's conversation. We're going to be talking with an author of a new book on a subject that is one that has been very, very important to me and something that I've written about and talked about and thought about a lot over the last several years. And I think any organization in today's world that's struggling for whatever reason, I think a lot of them can chalk it up to the fact that they're not doing this. And I think today's conversation promises to be very, very interesting. I'm joined by Martha Peace. She's the CEO of DemandWorks and the author of a book called Think Round. Martha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Todd. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure's mine. Thanks for carving out some time to join me. As I said, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. Before we dive into the book, Think Round, tell me a little bit about you and your background, and then give us the 10,000-foot view of demand works. Well, I'm a, an English literature major who took a left-hand turn into marketing and strategy and ultimately managing operations for companies and for my own firms as well. And along the way, I had the great good fortune to work with some uh, really remarkable brands and help bring products to market for brands like IBM and Apple and Elizabeth Arden and L'Oreal and Lifetime Television and Domino's Pizza and Wendy's and Neutrogena. And along the way, working with these companies, I realized that the real connection to building a business, the real engine behind building a business is not balance sheet management, is not the acquisition acumen, it's not engineering and adroit board uh, relationships or stunning quarterly earning results. No matter how expert you are, mastering those mechanics is really the cost of entry to competing and surviving. But the real underlying engine of value creation in any market for virtually any business is creating an empathetic understanding of your first, of your customer, your consumer set, your stakeholder set, who's going to buy your product, and then making sure that what you make inside of your company is actually aligned with where those demand requirements are. And the underpinnings of that is really having empathy, having empathy for who's the source of your revenue, and then being able to scale that understanding and that empathy inside of an enterprise so that everyone in an organization understands how to align what they do with how to create value with a customer set. And that's where we and how I ended up creating DemandWorks, which is a consulting firm and an advisory firm to leadership teams to do exactly that, how to really own their futures by getting 100% of their organization focused on consumers and customers 100% of the time so that they can scale empathy in the end to create value. All right. So give me the 10,000 foot view of Think Round. What the mission and purpose of the book, you've just alluded to it, but, uh, but why did you have to write this? Well, we had to write it because increasingly, and we've seen this developing particularly over the past 10 years, but especially in the past three to five years, increasingly companies are either in the midst of or facing this issue of becoming irrelevant. And the key reason we see that happening is that the marketplace of consumer behaviors is changing so rapidly and consumers have grasped such complete control of the decisions that they make around their purchase decisions that no brand or company or product or service or 
proposition can insert themselves into this rapidly moving consumer landscape adequately if they don't understand exactly what the emotions and the needs and the drivers are out there in the marketplace before they create things. And this issue of encroaching and increasing irrelevance or the threat of it is probably the number one threat to value creation for companies in the future period, but certainly over the course of the next decade as behaviors continue to move quickly and as competition continues to increase. You know, Martha, as I listen to you, I'm thinking about, as you probably know, I create a lot of content out there, and I'm frankly have grown tired of this conversation around, oh, there's so much noise and clutter out there, it's hard to break through. And there's a lot of people who always say, ah, well, that's because maybe your content isn't that good. But I'm beginning just to wonder if, is it because you're not being empathetic? And when you put out a story, you put out messaging, you put out vibe into the world that has an empathetic tone to it. Does that a part of the key of breaking through all this, quote, noise? Yeah, I, that's exactly right, Todd. I mean, empathy is not necessarily being nice. Empathy is being able to put yourself into the shoes of someone else and then relate to them, take action based on that understanding. And putting yourself into the shoes of someone else for your content may mean hooking into their deepest fears, their pain points. Um, It may mean grasping hold of an aspiration and you being able to be the rocket ship that gets them there. Empathy is understanding what's going on with whoever it is that you're trying to reach an effect. And so if your content is directed toward, you know, a subset of a larger target, understanding the emotional drivers that are going to connect that person or that smaller subset to the kind of decision to come to the kind of content that you're creating, having an external understanding of what those drivers are, and we call them demand drivers, is what allows you to line up your content with the mindset, with the specific emotions that somebody wants to have addressed by your content. So yeah, there's a lot of irrelevant content because it doesn't connect with my emotional drivers, but there's a ton of uh, very relevant content that does connect with my emotional drivers, and that's what I'm going to pay attention to. So figuring out what those drivers are and constantly reinforcing your value proposition with those emotional drivers is what makes you relevant. It's what creates the relevance. I feel like if I went out into the world and went to some coffee shop and there's a bunch of startup founders sitting around there having coffee and on their laptop tapping away, and I did a on-the-spot survey and said, are you empathetic? Do you practice business with empathy? And I'm curious if, if you've done something similar to this and if your reaction is different than what I'm speculating, that I guess what I'm really trying to say is I think most people would say, well, sure, I'm empathetic. Yeah, yeah, of course I am. But I get the feeling that most people really aren't. Maybe they think they are, mm-hmm. but they really aren't applying that in a real way on a day-to-day basis. I mean, is my assumption correct? Yeah, your assumption is correct. Most people confuse empathy with being customer-focused or consumer-centric, and the two things are very different. And a lot of startups aren't even at the point where they're being customer-focused and consumer-centric. In fact, they're pretty much looking at the means of production, what it is that they can make and produce and put out into the marketplace and hopefully get people to buy. And that's exactly what we turn on its head, really, and how we approach thinking about making a company more relevant and how we actually 
put a methodology in place that helps companies create more value. Because if you start with what it is you can produce, you're invariably going to end up in a build it and they will come kind of situation. And that's, you just can't compete with that kind of approach in the marketplace today. And in fact, 98%, and I, I mean that literally, 98% of entrepreneurs and startup founders will tell you that the reason something fails, the reason their company failed or their concept failed was because they didn't first look outside in the marketplace to see where there was a need and a demand for what it is they felt they could create. And so the internal idea of, you know, step by step, we have an innovative idea, we'll figure out how to produce it, we can ideate around it, we can do it for lower cost, we can get a better supply chain, we can get our logistics in place, we've already got the distribution, we can buy distribution and expand it, we can get the, you know, cost per click and the acquisition costs through social media down. That very linear approach to creating and building a product and pushing it out into the market is the opposite of really how to create an offering that connects to where people's emotions are. Because by definition, what I just described doesn't start with where people's emotions and aspirations and demands are. It starts with what it is that we can build. So there is an absolute misunderstanding of the value, the hard-nosed value of empathy and what it means. And I'll give you an example. Lexus, which is obviously Toyota's high-end brand. Lexus, before they came into the market, they were actually late to the luxury car market. And before they came in as a, as a late entrant, they spent another year sending their engineers from Japan and their product marketing and development people from Japan to places like Southern California and the French Riviera and Italian leather factories to have everyone understand firsthand and examine firsthand what the lifestyle requirements, what the lifestyle emotions, what the lifestyle context was for the people who would be buying the car that had yet to be designed by Lexus. And the process of watching how well-heeled women in high-end shopping malls put their shopping bags into the back of their cars and the process of going to get a manicure and actually holding onto a steering wheel with uh, wet nail polish on your fingers, the process of you know, being in a yacht, a custom-made yacht off the Riviera and looking at the cabinetry and the, the finish work and the materials used in a custom-crafted vehicle, the idea of going to a leather factory where each handbag, $40,000 handbag is handmade and can command a $40,000 price, that experience of understanding the context and the requirements at a very detailed level of a luxury brand led Lexus to create a product that was so in tune with where the market already was for the product that they wanted to create, that within two years, within less than two years after they launched the car, they were at the top of the heat and luxury car market. That's a perfect example of deploying enterprise-wide empathy to create value. They didn't just say, oh, gee, we've got chassis and great engines and good tires and great finish work on our cars. We're going to shove this out into the market. They actually went and understood what the demand drivers were for the audience that they wanted to bring the product to, and they were successful in executing it. All right. Well, my head is about to explode and I need to go to break to kind of just <laughs> figure out what are the 40 directions I want to take this conversation next. All right. So Martha Peace and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Are you a manufacturer plagued by high turnover, burdened with low employee engagement, stung by safety concerns, and generally losing the human talent war in a very competitive market? Say hello to PDP Solutions. PDP offers software solutions that changes the game in workplace communications. As PDP president, Lou Dickmeyer says, companies seldom fully understand the deep connection between improved communications and moving the key performance indicators. 
She adds, it's exciting to watch when our customers move the needle. Check out PDP Solutions at pdpsolutions.com. That's pdpsolutions.com and learn how they can help you. All right, we're back with Martha Peace, the CEO of DemandWorks and the author of Think Round. Martha, I swear, as I said before the break, I really am not sure where I want to take this next. There's so many directions I want to go. But in addition to blowing up my head, there were a lot of people who were listening to that last bit at the top of the show. And you said, hey, this isn't being customer focused or consumer centric. And they all probably shrugged their shoulders and said, what do I do? I mean, I don't know where I, I thought I was doing the right things. I've read all these books that talked about customer focus and consumer being consumer centric. And you touched on it in your answer, but I think it's valuable to kind of re-discuss re that because I want to be sure that those listening catch that. But what's the mindset shift you have to make? It's good to be customer focused, no doubt about it, but it's, you got to take it to the higher plane. How do they begin to make that shift? Yeah, yeah, that's a great way that you just described it. A lot of those you hear it will say, oh my gosh, I can't re-engineer my organization. I can't tear it down. You're asking me to completely throw my business up against the ceiling and change everything about how I run my business. And what we're talking about is really what you just described. It's a shifting of attitude and it's a shifting of approach. And the fundamental shift in approach is instead of having, <laughs> is to think of your company not as a company that surrounds a consumer. And that's typically the chart that you see on every kind of operation and planning and strategic planning and marketing. You see a circle with the company on the outside and you see the consumer on the inside surrounded by the company. And yeah, that's centric. That's having your consumer or your customer. And this is as true for B2B as it is for B2C as it is for B2B2C. But in that model, you're basically suffocating the consumer with yeah. what the company thinks is the right thing to do. And our model actually flips that on its head and it's not just a gimmick. Our model says, you know what? The organization is at the center of this circle. And in an ideal world, a truly consumer accountable organization surrounds itself with the circle of the customer set. So instead of being consumer-centric with the consumer on the inside, the organization is on the inside, and the outer circle is your consumer, is your customer set. And so every single touch point inside your organization has to have an understanding and a common understanding, and that's where scaling this becomes really the relevant issue, but has to have a common understanding of the strategic drivers that your customer imposes on your organization if you even want to be in a conversation with them, let alone have an impact on their purchase decision. So in your mind's eye, I know we're not in a visual medium right now, but in your mind's eye, switch your circle, have the organization on the inside and have your consumers surrounding your organization. And you start to get a vision for if you present consistent information to your organization, that's an attitudinal shift in how everybody looks at their role in creating value with that customer. It suddenly means that whether I'm in accounting I, or I'm, in, I'm on the, the factory floor or I'm in the innovation lab 
or I'm on the front line with a customer, every single one of those employees at any level in the organization should have a shared and common understanding of what the emotional drivers are that that customer or that customer set, and it can be more than one customer segment, is going to bring to the expectations of what you deliver in your company. And that way, every employee can actually have a role in understanding and activating how they create value. And it's really interesting when you start to get your head wrapped around this consumer accountable idea, looking outside your company is your starting point for creating value. You start to see how the silos inside of an organization can be broken down more easily. Most linearly organized organizations right now, um, in the linear traditional linear construction, are fighting you know, an enormous battle to get people to work together. The implications of thinking around and being consumer accountable on the inside of the organization are profound because when everybody has a common understanding of what the goal is to be consumer accountable and understands what that means to deliver and then what their role is in delivering that value to a consumer, people suddenly have a common goal that they can work together on. And everybody sees what unique skill set and what unique aspect um, of value creation they bring to the equation. And instead of contrived matrix, multiple reporting, team building, you know, innovation workshop, creative think, you know, uh, offsites being the spin that happens constantly, you suddenly get an organization that's really unified in how they work and come together and work in a very integrated way toward this common goal of being consumer accountable. So the implications of this are not just for, gee, how do you go to market? It's for actually how you work together internally as a company to create more value. Oh, yeah. We're not just talking about being empathetic to your prospect or your customer. It's both internal and external. I mean, I, and that's an important insight that we all need to really think hard and about. But I'm chuckling a bit, Martha, because I'm thinking of some CEOs that I know mm-hmm. who are very gruff and bit hard-bitten and hard-driven and focused on the bottom line and process. And if I was to sit down and say to them, all right, you need to understand the emotional drivers of your customers. They, one of, a few of them might backhand me. I don't know that they would even understand how to even begin that process. Now, if you've been paying attention to what you've been talking about on this broadcast, you've touched on that. But how do you really begin to understand the emotional drivers? I mean, if you're on a factory floor and you're selling machine parts, they're going to say, well, why? how does emotional drivers impact what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> we've sat across the table from a lot of those folks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we've converted a lot. You know, the issue of empathy sounds so soft and kind of touchy-feely. It doesn't sound like something that's executable or actionable. So I have two answers to the question. The first is there are actually tangible, hard-nosed results associated with this idea of creating a consumer accountable experience because that's really the end The end game is to create an organization that's so consumer accountable that the experience that your customer has with your company is unique, bonding, creates long-term loyalty, obviously, you know, creates return in purchase consideration and a higher value lifetime for the customer. But the, the net result of being consumer accountable and using empathy to formulate that, the end result of that has hard nosed tangible outcomes. There's research that shows that companies that deliver the best consumer or customer experience, and that's in the aggregate, and that's as perceived by the customer. So it's not just how's your customer service and does someone answer the phone. It's the totality of the experience that a customer has with a company. Companies that lead in creating experience, customer experience, actually have annual stock market returns that outpace the S&P average and that outpace the laggards in this area. Stock market returns for 
companies that lead in creating customer experience on an annualized basis, 8.6%, where the S&P average for companies that create a consumer experience is 6.1%. And what's most important is companies that lag in this area of being consumer accountable, of really creating a valuable experience, companies that lag in this area, as judged by their customers, lag in stock market return at a minus 0.4%. So the swing, the percentage swing is almost you know 9% in terms of what you're able to return in the annual stock market values. So there is a correlation between empathy, consumer accountability, the emotional understanding of what your customers are going to bring to the purchase decision and what you can actually do in terms of your top line return and your overall performance. So that's one part of the answer. The second part of the answer is you got to have a way to execute it. And the, the secret is really in being able to activate this, as I've said, not just on an individual level or not just in one department like marketing or sales, but to be able to activate this enterprise wide, to be able to scale this throughout a company. And we've, we've with many clients, a methodology basically that is proven as being the pathway to ensuring relevance, but also creating a customer accountable, consumer accountable organization. And the, and the pathway is very simple. We believe that most of the answers to the questions that we're asking are already inside of a company. And so the first step in the path to relevance and creating a consumer accountable company is to understand the context in which a company is operating, no matter how large or small the company is, get an internal understanding of where the company sits, where employees sit in terms of understanding the mission, how the company actually makes money, who the customers are, what the competitive positioning is, what the actual development process is for innovation, where innovation lies in terms of its relevance in the marketplace. Fundamental questions to how a company operate. All right, Martha. So I, I got what you said and it made an awful lot of sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, but let me ask the question almost this way. And it's in the context with how I usually try to think about this in that it's just recognizing that you're interacting with an actual human being, right? Think about all the all the usual cliches. I mean, there's a person behind that CRM record. There's a human behind that Twitter avatar. And you're, you are actually selling to a person, not some brick and mortar edifice. I mean, is that what you're talking about? If you appreciate and recognize that that's a human being on the other end of that interaction, is that enough or is that an important realization, but there's still more? There's more. There has to be that willingness to be open to the human element, obviously, but there's more to it. And not everyone, you know, comes to empathy naturally. And that's why this issue of codifying it and mm -hmm. scaling it becomes so important. Let me give you an example. A brilliant, obvious, I mean, it's an obvious example, but a brilliant leader, Steve Jobs, was a genius at having an empathetic connection to his audience. And all the products that he made, and some of them in particular, like the iPod and the iPhone, were anticipations of where consumer behavior that already existed, he anticipated where that behavior could go. And he had such a close empathetic connection and such a creative mind to being able to get out in front of where consumer behaviors were and imagine things that people didn't know they needed yet, but would obviously come to own and embrace in their own lives. That's kind of the gold standard of empathy. But the trick is he was able to take that empathetic understanding, activate it in product development, and scale that connection to his customer across the company. So that someone in engineering who might not naturally have the understanding of consumer behaviors that Steve Jobs had, he was able to 
codify that and institutionalize that understanding and that connection inside of Apple in such an amazingly brilliant way that we see the outcome of that, you know, even today in terms of top line value creation. I went into a store, this blew my mind. I was in an Apple store the other day and trying to fix something on my computer. And of course, this wonderful guy at the Genius Bar was patiently pushing me along. And I said, I I looked at him, I said, I don't know how you go through the day without grabbing these devices out of our hands and just fixing it. It must be so frustrating for you to have to walk people like me through this step by step. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, well, we're trained to obviously not do that. And he said, the number, the first thing we're taught is empathy. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and this was on the floor of, you know, one of how many thousands of Apple, hundreds of Apple stores, one guy at the Genius Bar out of how many thousands of people who interact with Apple customers throughout the day. I mean, he got it a granular level. And I can guarantee that that word comes out of the mouths of many people at Apple, regardless of their job. So this issue of, yes, there's another person on the end of the phone. There's a human being at the other side of that statistical information. I mean, we have to look at empathy at a statistical level. That's why you've got to be able to structure it as a strategy and quantify it. You've got to be able to quantify those demand drivers because you got to be able to have the quantification to say with certainty, this is what you should be responding to if you're developing a product, if you're on customer service, if you're in accounting and trying to figure out a different kind of system. You've got to be able to quantify so that everybody has the same understanding of what the drivers are. And in fact, you almost teach people to have empathy. You make it easy for people to understand, gee, this is the kind of connection that would make a difference. I can play in my area a role making a difference in this way. So you do a lot of the empathy job for people by making the information, doing the discovery work, and then making the strategy available as easy to consume, understandable, actionable pieces. Well, you know, you can sit there and think about a genius bar guy being empathetic to an idiot like me. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I see where empathy is important there. But what I want the audience to really be thinking about is the Steve Jobs notion of skating where the puck's going to be in terms of how he produced product for market, that's empathetic too. And I don't think a lot of people think of it that way. And so that's something that you're going to be scratching your head about and thinking about deeply long after you finish this interview. Martha, we're about out of time, but you touched on this earlier. And I want to give you one last chance to just just define this because we really haven't dove into it and, and we probably should have. But what do you actually mean when you say think round? Well, when we say think round, we mean surround your organization with an understanding and an empathetic view of your customers, all of your customers, your stakeholders, your customers, anyone who impacts your top line and your ultimate success as a company. Surround your company, every single touch point, every single employee, surround them in the circle, in the inside of the circle with your customers so that they understand how being focused on customers and how their actions related to customers actually not only create the experience that people will come back for, but create the top line value that creates long-term success and long-term growth for companies, regardless of the sector that they play in or the size that they are. All right. Well, that's a great place to wrap this one up. Martha, before we let you go, should people have questions? How can they contact you? Where can they learn more about DemandWorks? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of ThinkRound? All great questions. To contact me, you can go to www.demandworks.com and it's W-E-R-K-S. So it's demand and then W-E-R-K-S.com. You'll find our contact information there. You'll also find a link to our website for the book, Think Round, and the website is thinkround.website. 
The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the electronic distribution channels. It's also available through the website, thinkround.website, and some select bookstores as well. All right. Martha Peace, CEO of DemandWorks and the author of Think Round. Martha, it was a real pleasure to hang with you. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. Thank you so much, Todd. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. Hopefully the audience got a lot out of it. All right. Well, that wraps this conversation. Again, on behalf of my guest, Martha Peace, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. 